this one moment here, it seems like he's talking about how churches need to stay the same, or is it even the truth anymore? And then they come to this meal, and they're like, "Woo! <laughs> where are you headed there, brother? I, I have never seen or heard of a lot of the things that are, that's going on right now. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years and have two awesome kiddos. Yes, we do. If you're interested in just listening in today, we do have our podcast available, and please don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're from a polygamous background and would like to share your story with the world, please feel free to reach out at growingupinpolygamy at gmail.com. We also currently have our holiday fundraiser where we are looking to adopt a room at the Short Creek Dream Center, which is one of Warren Jeff's old homes that has been transformed into a place of refuge for people leaving polygamous communities, especially the FLDS. So that link is below. We have already hit our goal, so thank you so much for that and the more money we raise the more we can do in possibly other rooms or adopt a larger room so yeah. please continue to donate if you feel if you feel so inclined it makes us just feel so blessed and so happy thank you all so much for all of the donations we can't believe that we already surpassed that goal but thank you and we look forward to showing you what we are able to do with that yes today we are going to react to another one of peter santanello's um mormonism and it has been a fundamentalist fun. this time around. Yes, it's been so fun as he's been going through Mormonism in different communities. Obviously, if you haven't seen the video with us in it, we'll leave the link down below. And um, our tour of Short Creek and yeah. Sam's story. We've been doing the other Mormon videos that he's done so far. This one we've been so excited for because, well, go ahead. Yeah, I'm excited, especially because it is a fundamentalist group. So similar ideas, I assume, to the way I was raised in the FLDS, because the FLDS is a fundamentalist group, fundamentalist Mormon group. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to see kind of their twist on things, because every fundamentalist group has a little bit of a twist on things, right? So I'm interested to see how they do it. I'm excited because they are in St. George, Utah, which is where I was raised. Right. So I lived there pretty much my whole life. And so I'm really excited to see kind of what they have to say about that and the area and all of it together. Yeah. So. so let's see what they have to say. Here we go. Good morning, guys. Today we have a very interesting video that is with Mormon fundamentalists. These are the Mormons that still practice polygamy or as they say, plural marriages. Now in all the Mormons that exist in this world, the 17, roughly 17 million of them, under half of 1% have stayed to the fundamentalist doctrine. We're gonna get in with some of these fundamentalists to see how they live, understand plural marriage better, and get an inside look of a world that most of us will never see. Let's do this. Let's the do red it. rocks, the I red know. rocks. Do you know where that is? Yeah, it looks like he's out by Snow Canyon right okay. now. Okay, near St. George. Yep. Am I in this or no? You're all, all in. in. <laughs> all in. One more time. One, two, three. <laughs> awesome. Joel, how many different fundamentalist groups? There's, I think Over at least 200. Yeah, oh, they wow. gave us that You don't want to be on camera? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. I, just, I don't want to do it in front of the LDS representatives here. I okay. want to be respectful Okay, gotcha. to them. I think they're at the Jacob Hamlin home yeah. in Santa Clara, Utah. So this is on the way between St. George and Ivins. And 
That's what it looks like to me with the vineyards. That's exactly what it looks like to me as well. And obviously people from all different backgrounds come to visit this home, but I think primarily it is the mainstream LDS church members that come to visit this home, I would say. And it's LDS. Um, typically it's senior missionaries that give the tours of it. So when she says, I don't want to speak in front mm. of the LDS representatives, she's probably talking about there being senior missionaries that are the ones that give the tours of the historical home. So the Jacob Hamlin home here, the Brigham Young home in St. George, the Tabernacle, those are all historical sites, but right. at the same time, they are managed by the mainstream LDS church, and there's normally missionaries there to give tours. Let's see if we can pick up a name tag on any of these people here. Maybe if there's a, a missionary name tag, those will be those missionaries, that, as they're called, that are guiding the tours and kind of in charge of the place. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference between you, or, or what? what is that? Yes. <laughs> we believe in the fundamental principles that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young taught. Okay. And they've taken those away. They've taken celestial plural marriage away because of all the opposition from the government, United States government. When did they take that away? 1890 was the manifesto. Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. They've actually persecuted a lot of the people that believe in celestial plural marriage, tried to rip families apart. Why do you call it celestial? There are different ordinances and things that you comply with in order to make it so there's more harmony in the home. I've been in two plural families myself. Okay. So I I could say I'm a polygamist wife. So, so you had a sister wife? Oh, many sister wives. Many? Yes. How many? Annette's actually one of my sister wives. Who's Annette? Care. Okay. Yeah. On the left? Our, our husband passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. In 2015. With her family, I had her and one other person. And then in the previous family, there was five of us. Both of the husbands had health issues. So. Okay. So. Just want to point out really quick here. He asks her, why do you call it celestial marriage? A lot of you probably have heard us talk about this. But for those of you who have not, she did mention that, well, they, they want to live a certain way in their home. But beyond that... The celestial kingdom is, in their minds, the highest degree of glory, the highest kingdom in heaven. Mm -hmm. And the celestial kingdom, they call that the celestial marriage because it is a it is a doctrine, it is a commandment in their mind from God. In order to live in the celestial kingdom, you have to live plural marriage or celestial marriage, as they call it. Yeah. And... Kind of interesting side note as well. So it talks about that in Doctrine and Covenants, which is mm -hmm. a book of scripture, modern revelation from Joseph Smith. It talks about in DNC 132 about the celestial law, and it was meant at that time to be polygamy. And since then, like me being raised in the LDS church, we were taught that celestial law now just means the sealing of families. So being sealed in the temple is now the new celestial law. Not new, but like the celestial law as it no. applies now. Right. Whereas the fundamentalists are going to say, no, celestial law was polygamy. It was very clear it was polygamy, and it was never meant to be changed from that. And, and that's why she mentioned in the beginning here that the mainstream LDS church has taken away a lot of those fundamentals that were in, introduced to the church in the beginnings. Yep. Walk us through someone that doesn't know that world at all. Is it super challenging, or what's it like having multiple sister wives and one one man there's challenges okay but you learn to rise above those and to love each other and to care for each other and for each other's children it's just a different attitude and perspective 
is what I say. You have to take okay. on, you have to get over your fears and jealousies. Okay. Can you so, leave at any time if you want or no? You can if you want. There's free agency. Free agency is free agency. highly honored. In your fundamentalist sect, not in all of them, right? Some of them, like Warren Jeffs. I would Jeffs, say Warren can... Jeffs is horrible. That that's is, FL. That's known um, as FLDS. Yeah, there's a lot of mind control in, okay. in that, and okay. we don't believe in mind control. We believe in free agency. So, yes, I agree with what she's saying here, that a lot of other religious, even fundamentalist groups, believe in a lot more of that free mindset, uh, that, you know, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. I do want to just point this out, though, because I was raised in the FLDS church, in the FLDS church, technically speaking, it was the same there too, because free agency is talked about in the scriptures that we read. Mm -hmm. So they would always say, oh, you are free to do what you want to do. You can come and go, or not not come and go, but you can go <laughs> if you want to. And that's true, but leaving, and she it sounds like she believes this too, we'll see here in, in a little bit, but it sounds like she believes very strongly in her fundamentalist beliefs. And if you do believe in those, it's not, yes, you're technically allowed to leave, but no one wants to if they believe that is the only way to return to God. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so much more complicated than that to leave any high demand religion. And in the case of polygamy, that's a pretty high demand, right? That's a pretty high bar <laughs> to be trying to reach for. So um, high in the sense of like very, like she said, there's a lot of jealousies and they're meant, women are told and believe, like she was saying, that it's meant to overcome your jealousies and to become more godlike and yeah. more goddess-like to be able to do that. And so when you have that and you believe in it, yeah, there's always the, oh, the door's right there. You can go ahead and leave, but you're leaving your family. You're probably leaving your children. You're leaving your community. You're leaving your faith. You're leaving everything that you've known before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Just leave. <laughs> she mentioned mind control. And of course, that's what they're going to say about Warren Jeffs, mind control. He was 100% true, by the way. The mind control, the brainwashing, as some people would call it, to make you believe that this is the only way, therefore you don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, that's easy to say because of all the awful things Warren Jeffs did. But you also have to remember that someone from the outside perspective from what she believes might call her belief mind control in some ways. So, you know, it's it comes and goes from different perspectives. It's just a, a tough, I don't know, a tough thing to explain without just saying, oh, everyone's being controlled. Yeah. No, there's definitely people who are going to look at this and be like, wow, there must be a lot of mind control to convince five women if a guy can, above. yeah, if if a guy can convince five women that it's for their own good to share their husband, and it's all for their being able to overcome this world and and their eternity, some people would say that's mind control as well. Right, but I love, but I love that this is being showed because obviously she doesn't feel that way. She doesn't believe that, and that is important for everyone to understand that she doesn't believe that she's being controlled in any way. Neither do the FLDS people, mm -hmm. except for the extreme cases where they were actually being held captive, per se, in a home. That was very rare, and that did happen, but that was not the norm, at least not what I saw. And I have, some people may disagree with me at this point, but I have multiple family members, even sisters, that have left. And when they chose to leave, after they got past that, so-called mind control and they chose to leave it was as they simple left. as leaving when it came to the physically moving it was as simple as just okay and they left yeah. and i know that this has happened 
with a very close relative of mine within the last couple of months. So I just want to point out there are extreme cases, but it's not everybody's experience. Yeah, for the most part, nobody likes to think that they're being controlled. Correct, yeah. Um, we are encouraged to keep our covenants and try to work through our differences, of course. Um, but nobody is going to be hunted down and killed like, you know, you've heard of the LeBaron. Some of the LeBaron groups have mm. actually killed their members. If Those they are the ones up. from Mexico. We do not believe in that at all. We believe that um, our husbands are supposed to be called on missions and do the Lord's work. And so oh. they're not always around. And so it's nice to have that um, close-knit companionship with other women. A woman relates to another woman a lot better sometimes and to help be supportive to each other and help each other's children. I think it's interesting. She says that their husbands are being called as missionaries because the FLDS didn't have missionaries. Now, this is going back way to the fundamentals here. They're yes. going back to the way it was even more true to the way it was than the FLDS was living in the sense that back in Joseph Smith and Brigham Young's day, they were sending missionaries and even married men off to serve these missions. So, wow, I'm this is intriguing. She's So far, it's sounding like they're going to be pretty in the middle between the way I was raised, mainstream LDS, and the way that Sam was raised in the FLDS because we had missionaries. Well, there's two different kinds of missionaries. You have missionaries who are young men and young women who mm -hmm. go out when they're single and they're not allowed to be dating on their missions, not allowed to be married. And then there are a couple missionaries that when you're older, senior missionaries, and typically it's after people retire and they leave as a couple. And as far as I know, you have to be a couple. I've never heard of like a single elderly man going or a single elderly... They, they do. They do? Yep. Yep. When I was in my mission <gasps> in Chile, there was a single lady that was there uh, doing a mission work on her own. I believe she was a nurse of some kind and she was there to help missionaries in need. Wow, that's amazing. See, I just learned something yeah. new. But um, it's definitely more rare. We'll just say that. And, but sending fathers, like raising children on missions in the same sense of the word as the younger is not very common. Sometimes they'll be sent like as um, stake presidents mm -hmm. or in high callings, right. but not necessarily considered the same type of missionary work. Yeah. So, I How many really children did you have in, in your family then? Okay, so in my previous family, um, I had two boys from my previous marriage and two daughters in that um, marriage. So I had four. My other sister wife had six. Um, the other sister wife had five. And then um, our husband actually had a first wife that chose not to be a part of it. Okay. She had seven children. So we had those children too. So wow. I would have to add a lot. <laughs> but quite a few children. Did you forget names? No. Never? No. Are you like under one roof, one house? There was times we were and there was times we had our own separate abodes, just depending upon the circumstances and okay. what was happening. And as the family grew, it kind of was better to have our own abodes, but to still come together. We always came together for many functions. And now you're not in a plural relationship? I'm not right okay. now. Oh. I would like to become in that again, but my oh. current husband is kind of not sure if he's ready for that. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. He's a little... He's a little scared. This again will just kind of bring testament to the fact that it's easy to look at polygamy and say this is so bad for the women or no one could ever really want that. And then here's a good example of a woman who she's like, I would be down, but my husband's not 
how strong her faith in polygamy must be, right? Like exactly. my husband doesn't want it, but I'm trying to convince him. Everyone out there that isn't familiar with polygamy is probably thinking, what? <laughs> Why in the world? Uh, I liked Peter's question of, uh, do you forget their names because there's so many in the, ho- in the home? Mm-hmm. I-, I, see, I think that was true. I don't remember any of the mothers in my home forgetting a child's name. But man, it was funny when father would try to say something to one of his children and he would, you know, after saying all the names in the Bible, he would finally get to the right name (laughs) that was our name. And, you know, I don't know why, but it was just funny. It was one of those things we always chuckled about because he would often, when he tried to call us by name, he would get through several of the siblings before the one he was trying to refer to. So. It was just a funny memory. That's super funny. See, I'm the I eager would, one and he's scared. <laughs> see, I would have thought it was the opposite. I would have exactly. thought it was yeah. the men pushing this. And not, not always. The, not always? Not always. With my, actually with my mother and my father, it was uh-huh. my mom pushing it. And my dad was the one that was holding back. Mm. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Because he realized the responsibility and was like, can I make sure everybody's happy? And... The, fi- the financial responsibility yeah. is massive. That's very massive. So most of the time we're all, all of us are going to work or there's certain wives that will go to work and others will take care of their kids and help teach them and, you know, or they'll take turns. So there's a, not every family is the same. Do you think plural marriage is a natural thing because it comes from your God, your scripture let's say well the way we look at it is if there's a really good man that's righteous and that wants to be um honorable to his women and to the children he should have that opportunity to be the father of as many children as possible we believe that we when we come down here we are to provide physical bodies for our, our spirit brothers and sisters okay and we want them to have the greatest opportunity to be raised in a righteous family instead of like a lot of people out in the world, you know, the woman has the children, but the man is off doing his own thing and not being honorable to her. So what do you mean? Like cheating on the wife, is cheating on the wife, or uh. drinking, or, you know, just doing things that it's not trying to be uplifting and help be a righteous priesthood. Head. There's a lot of really good men out there that are honorable to their wives and, and good like that. But we just feel like if there is someone honorable and trying to uphold their priesthood callings, they should be given that opportunity. So okay. we don't believe celestial plural marriages for everyone. Interesting. That's an interesting. interesting way to view plural marriage. Uh-huh. I've never heard someone talk about, I mean, obviously, it's always been kind of a status of righteousness, even within the LDS church, like you were supposed to be righteous and in her case or her words honorable in order to receive more wives but the idea that it is to populate and have as many children and to bring as many spirit children into a righteous home mm-hmm. i've i don't know if i've heard that perspective before what about you regarding polygamy yeah yeah no i i mean even within the mainstream lds church the idea of bringing god's children into the earth is very much talked about right yeah, to yeah. multiply and replenish the earth right that is very much talked about but the idea of more wives to bring in more children that was that was an idea in the FLDS for sure okay it wasn't always so much talked about because it wasn't up to the man necessarily to go out and choose more wives in the FLDS it was about waiting for the prophet to call and say hey now i find you worthy so yes the man being worthy for the call was was talked about but not necessarily him 
feeling for himself that he was worthy. Yeah, gotcha. I think within the mainstream LDS church, a lot of it was, even if you have a righteous man, it doesn't mean that he needs more women to be able to have as many children as possible, that it's supposed to just be you have as many children as possible with your singular wife. Right. A lot of people within the LDS church, and it's not doctrine like as far as whether or not contraception's allowed or anything like that, but there were a lot of families that were like, we will have as many children as God allows us. That mm -hmm. was very, very common. Right. And um, But it was never, oh, I can't give him as many children as he deserves, therefore right. you need more wives in order to be able to have as many children as possible for you. Right, yeah. Huh. It's interesting. I mean, it's becoming less like that, but a, a few, I don't know how many years ago, but a while back, it used to be more common that even mainstream LDS families would have a lot of children. Yes. Now it doesn't seem to be quite the same. Yeah. It's for only those that really want to. So there's there's not a pressure in your religion? Yeah, we have a lot that of people that. You don't have to be. No. Okay. The name of your religion, your, Here we your go. church, I'm sorry. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Righteous Branch. The Righteous Branch. Okay. <laughs> oh. So that's obviously not F. Ooh. Oh. Burn. Wow. The Righteous Branch. So we are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but the right ones. <laughs> wow. That's an interesting... I. I, you ever heard I can of them? Say, no, I, that's what I was going to say. I've never heard of these of this group before. I hope they say how many. Did Have they said that already? They've not said that yet, but I'm very curious as well. How many there are. Because, I mean, they're in the St. George area. I grew up my whole life in St. George, and I've never heard of this group. So I'm guessing they're probably very small, but I'm intrigued to find out. Yeah. LDS, but you're okay. fundamentalists. Yes. It's a There's bit confusing, right? There's a lot of different right? groups. You're yeah. going to hear of the AUB and the FLDS and the Short Creek group, and you're going to hear a lot of different groups. Okay, do you all get along, or you stay to yourselves? Or um, we we have interacted some. Okay. Some some people don't want to interact with us. Some people are fine. I've gone to LDS um, church meetings hmm. because my husband is. My current husband is LDS right now. Oh. So if your husband agreed so, to going into a plural thank you, marriage, Peter. you would want him to pick your sister wife? He would. You would want him um, to pick, or how does that work? How it works is we actually don't pick them. We can have inspiration or witness or dream, but we have a prophet, and okay. we believe that um, the women are supposed to, if they want to, in a family they need to go put their name in with the prophet and just say well you know i would like the will of the lord you know will you please pray and but the prophet also on the other hand he also honors the free agency that i said once again so the woman has her final choice no woman so should the, be pro forced. the prophet makes the choice or, or comes up with the candidate but the woman makes the final choice that is correct okay so first of all the fact that her husband is hesitant if he is active lds if he enters into a plural marriage, he will be excommunicated and right. kicked out of the LDS church. So no wonder he's hesitant in that or scared to enter into it. Um, I'm surprised. Do you think they're legally married? I don't know. It sounds like it. If, if she's the only wife right now, my guess is that they would be legally married. I'm surprised. That's so interesting because when I was... I came from the FLDS church and then later joined the mainstream LDS church. At that point, it was a fairly big deal and process for me mm -hmm. to be allowed in. And well, I mean, 
yeah, to be allowed in and to be baptized into the LDS church, I needed, I actually had to go have an interview with an apostle and, and kind of talk about all of that because they wanted to make sure that I understood that they no longer practiced the law of polygamy mm-hmm. and that that was very clear. And so if she, I don't know, like, I wonder what that looked like for them to get married. Dating and marrying. Yeah. There's, I mean, obviously they weren't married in the temple because she's not a member of the LDS church. So that wouldn't have been allowed. And she's saying, and she's saying that they have their own prophet. Right. So if he's active LDS and goes to active LDS services, I would guess that he believes in the current LDS prophet of Russell M. Nelson. And so changing who you believe to be a prophet and That's whether big. or not you take on another wife from a prophet of a different church mm. is a very big deal. Oh, yes. I can speak for that. Very big deal. When you believe that this person is the prophet that talks to God and then to change that to someone else, that's a, a big transition and very difficult to make. So this is very interesting that she's married to someone that is still active LDS. Yeah. And then if, and she, then if you, she says, yes, I want to do, you know, whatever it is that you say, and she's yeah. willing to do that, then he will notify the appropriate parties and ask them to get their one witness. They have to have their witness too. Okay. So everybody has to have their witness. And, you know, there's like a check and balance in there. So it's not. So it has to be more of like the prophet is a match, a spiritual matchmaker, but not a dictator like Warren right. Jeffs. Like it's not assigned. But if the, at the same time, if you believe that a prophet is a prophet of God and speaks with God and he receives a revelation that you're supposed to be with somebody, if you actually believe that they're a prophet, why wouldn't you get a confirming witness right if you believe they're talking to god that would be pretty clear that well if, if they say this is what god wants that's what i'm going to do and that's actually kind of the way the flds used to be before the jeffs took over i heard a lot of stories where someone would meet or a, a boy and a girl or a man and a, a woman would meet and they would fill this connection and they would go before the prophet and say would you be okay can we get your blessing in this marriage and sometimes a prophet would say yes and sometimes a prophet would say no but it seemed to be more similar to the way she's describing it back before Rulin and then warren jeffs Hmm. not just a man running off doing his own thing behind there's a structure to it there's a structure yes there's some guidelines to try to keep order and we don't believe in courting and dating we believe in that we try to find out who it was in the pre-existence that we covenanted with to be with in this life so that's that's pretty similar to the flds now at this point because there was no dating or courting or any of that it was this is this is my person this is what god wants and you get married most i mean in a lot of cases before you really even know the person you just believe that this is what god wants this is what i'm going to do were you taught that people covenanted in the pre-existence in before ever coming to earth that they covenanted with certain people that they'd get married i don't know about covenanted i did hear of stories of people believing that they knew their spouse beforehand and some people would even claim that uh, they had this feeling that they were that they knew this person before this life and that they were that they had conversations about getting married before even coming to the earth i don't know like of course who knows what that is coming from and where they're getting those ideas, but I have heard those stories. Yeah, in the mainstream LDS, 
I mean, you would, you're supposed to go and pray about whether or not this person would be the right person for you to marry, but it was definitely all like personal revelation, personal answers to your prayers. And I never heard anyone talk about like the fact that they were supposed to, you know, oh, we probably, I guess now that you say it, yeah, there were some people like one-off stories that were like, oh, I, we felt so connected. We must've known each other in the pre-existence, but it was never like we covenanted then and now we're fulfilling that covenant on earth. It was never like that. Right. I will say when I left the FLDS church, the idea of dating around and trying to find your soulmate was very intimidating to me. <laughs> I bet. Because I was raised in a way that I didn't have to worry about that. Like, you know, God was going to match <laughs> me with the person I was supposed to be with and it would be as easy as that. And surprisingly, that was almost like a weight lifted off of your shoulders because like you didn't have to try to schmooze anyone yeah you didn't even (laughs) have to try to win someone over or to find the right person it was just about waiting and and then of course when i turned 18 then i no longer liked the idea and ended up leaving so you know it sounded great until the point where i was old enough to actually want to make that decision for myself that's super funny yeah it's true so only arranged marriages it's like it's like indians Kind of like that. Traditional, yeah, traditional yeah, Indians, right? Yeah, like that. And so. what I learned in India, this is what people would tell me because it seems like such a far out concept for, say, secular Americans. Yeah. They said, you form your relationship through lust or, or romantic love. Yeah. But in our arranged marriages, you come together not in lust. Yeah. But you spend the rest of your life falling in love. That's yes. what he told me. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, like, interesting. If, if you look at the Bible, that's pretty much how the marriages were in the Bible, too. Yeah. For us Gentiles, you know, outside of the religion, do you look at our behavior as a bit immoral? You know, you're dating someone here, you're dating someone there. You're just choosing on your own. What, what would um, your view of that be? We don't have... I personally don't condemn anybody. I feel okay. Heavenly Father has given everyone the right to have free agency. And not everyone's going to choose to believe the same way as we are. And we are not the judge of our brothers and sisters. We are to just do what we feel is right and be an example of love and charity towards others. And we don't look at that way as what we want to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if our youth grow up and say, hey, I I want to go out and I want to try that. And I want to, we can't stop them. You know, we can't, we can encourage them, you know, but... I mean, I have daughters of my own that have chosen to go a different path. Okay. And I still love my daughters. I still will, because God is unconditional in his love. Is it tough though, as a mother? It it hurts. Yeah. yeah, Because the way we believe it is if you, if you don't have the marriages that Heavenly Father wants, then in the next life, you won't be married. You will be single. You'll eternally be single. That's why celestial plural marriage is for, if you want to become a God again, yourself. I was going to say, I, I think it sounds, in this case, much more mainstream LDS in not going to condemn, but you always hope for everyone that they're going to choose this because, again, if you're believing that it's the only way to be able to have, be, you know, not single for the mm-hmm. eternities, have to have family a family forever. for yep. For eternity, then you're going to want this in your life, right? So, and typically, if someone leaves the mainstream LDS church, their mother would feel the same way. Like, okay, like I'm going to be there for them. I still love them. I still care about them, but I do feel sad for them because they're not going to have what I know they could have, right? Right. 
So, so you want your daughters to become polygamists? That would be perfect if, if possible. I would like them to enter that, but I am not okay. going to Push force that yep. because that's a personal choice. They have to decide for themselves what they can handle and what they want and what they're willing to sacrifice for. Yep. So. Here's the legend. BMW stands for Big Mormon Wagon. <laughs> and we had one with all of our little kidleys. <laughs> okay, so sister wife, sister wife. Yeah, we have to be. Yeah. <laughs> Are you still in a plural relationship or no? I'm not. Okay. I haven't gotten remarried yet. Do you miss it or, or do you like it? In a way, I do. We became best friends, so we always hung out. We did things together. We had a babysitter if we needed to. Okay. We didn't have to okay. pay for a babysitter. Sure. Our kids hung out and they had, you know, association and friends with one another. That okay. was great. We always did things together as a family. We would take vacations together as family. Of course, you don't have as much time with your husband as you would in a monogamous marriage, but that's right. a sacrifice that you do. And you learn to love the other wives just as much as the husband. As the husband. How does it work in a plural marriage? Like one day you you have let's say rights or whatever, you have you have full attention, the next day the other wife does, the next day the other wife does, or how does that work? Mm -hmm. In a way, yeah, that's what it was. Me and the other wife, not Trina, we would live actually in the same house. Okay. So I got to see him quite a bit. We'd have our separate rooms, but we shared the house, we shared the kitchen, we shared the living room, okay. you know, family time, so. Big family I, meals. Right, big family meals. So everything was, you know, together. Trina actually had her own home, mm -hmm. and so she would only be able to see him when he went over there. Okay. Or me, I got to see him more. Than That's interesting, because you see either normally every wife has their own home, or everybody's under one roof. Right, that's typically what you see. For me, I'm familiar with what she talks about, everyone being together in the same house, same kitchen, same living room, all of that. So, but I do have to wonder, or at least I'm curious, why the one wife was separated from the others. I don't, I, yeah. maybe they'll get into that, I hope, but that's very unique in my perspective. Yeah, and it sounds like obviously if two wives are in one home and there's only one wife in the other, you're gonna spend the majority of your time in that home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that was isolating for and Trina. then she, she, Trina said that her, their husband passed away at this point. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah was there ever, um, was it ever hard? Like if you, you had a great 24 hours, let's say with your husband and then he has to leave and go to the other wife, was that ever a big challenge or it's just something you accept and it's just normal? That wasn't, to me, it's normally just something I accepted because okay. I knew within me mm -hmm. that he loved them just as much as he loved me. As long as I knew they loved me, it didn't matter to me. And did you grow up mm -hmm. in a family like this, or how did you no, get into it? No, my my parents were not monogamous. They didn't. Um, they, he, my husband, my dad did have a plural wife um, when I was younger. Okay. But she ended up leaving. He never got another one, so I didn't get to see it a whole lot growing up. My dad mm -hmm. found uh, Christ Church just before I turned eight years old. Okay. And so of course I'm young, I just go to church with them. And so I eventually learned and grew in regards to our church and our religion. I knew that it was, you know, true and it was a true principle to live. You know, I got married when I was a teenager. Wait, Christ Church? Do you think she's referring to 
their sect, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's, the Righteous that's, Branch? That's what it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounds like, yes. That, uh, it sounds like they refer to themselves as Christ Church as well. And that's something that you'll hear from different... It can get really confusing within Mormonism. Right, because you got the Community of Christ, which is used to be known as the RLDS Church, but it sounds like some of the, even sometimes mainstream LDS people will just call it Christ Church. Because, they call it the Church of Jesus Christ. Right. But yeah. just referring to the fact that this is the true Church of Jesus Christ. And so I think she's referring to her, her church uh, when she says, church, the what did she say? The Church, Christ, Christ church, church. Christ Church, yeah. I think she's referring to theirs. What, a teenager? How old? 16. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Was it arranged or no? No. You want it? It was my choice. Wow, 16. Okay. In Utah, Is that's... that normal in the church? 16? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Back, way back then, you know, it was totally different. Now that they only allow 18 or older. Okay. And it... I was just going to say, I'm like, so in Utah, you can get married at 16 with your parents' consent. consent uh -huh. So that would still be considered legal, even though she wasn't of legal age. My guess is that they switched it within her church to having to be 18 or older because of the underage marriages of the FLDS. Right. Everyone is wanting to, she wanted to clarify right away. No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't do that we anymore. We don't do that anymore. I think that people are afraid to even be Associated. in the same category as the FLDS at this point. Yeah. It's always the female's choice. It's her decision. Was it back then? Yes. The female's decision? Yep. But in FLDS, it was different. They chose and they had to go into it, right? Right. You think it's interesting I'm going out to Spring Creek tomorrow? Uh-huh. To see a former FLDS member. It's you, babe. I'm curious. That's me. <laughs> so you're curious about that? No, I'm not curious in regards to them. I'm curious in regards to what, what response you're going to get yeah. out there. Because I've heard a lot of stuff. Bum, bum, bum. Well, now you can watch and find out. It's, uh, <laughs> it's available here on uh, or on Peter's channel. Uh, yeah, we'll put the link down below. Yeah, so it was I believe, the next day after he did this, I believe, that we met out there in Short Creek and, and did that tour. I think it's cool that she's just as interested in seeing your interview as you were excited when we saw this one coming out. And right. so I was like, oh, I want to see what the other <laughs> fundamentalists are doing. So Yeah, she, she definitely makes it... I don't know that she knows too much about the FLDS church. There's just been a lot of rumors about the FLDS That's church at this so point. they're so secretive. And that is very true. So I think that she was very curious how, she, how Peter was going to be received. At this point, though, most people living in Short Creek are not necessarily full-on believing in Warren Jeffs anymore. So they're a lot more welcoming than it, than they used to be i think all a lot of fundamentalist groups like um i think it's coming up at some point but in the the beginning intro he had said you know there's like 200 different groups of fundamentalists or something mm -hmm. is what they said and i know there's a lot there's like about 30 to forty thousand polygamists in utah and but because there's so many do keep so many secrets about it and they feel like they're under attack and they have to be so careful. It's like all the secret groups kind of want to know how those people over there do it. Um, but obviously they can't like go and ask. And so things like this where Peter gets in with everyone is, is super fun to see. You know what I've noticed is as soon as the FLDS was put under this bad spotlight 
after Warren Jeffs was in, uh, imprisoned and all of the things were happening, it seems like a lot of these smaller fundamentalist groups were more willing to share their beliefs and let people in to see behind the curtains because they wanted to prove, prove to the world that they were not the same and that they didn't have to be secret the same way the FLDS was being. Yeah. You think it's natural in us, plural marriages? You think it's like a natural human thing? I didn't. No way. Okay. So you, you feel like if all the, like the societal rules went away, most guys would be down with this. Most of them, yeah. Who <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't? But Who most wouldn't? W women wouldn't be. Right. Because I think women are a lot more jealous in nature than men. That's all I was going to say. When I said, no way, I just mean that I think most women, it's not natural for women to want to share. And I say that also because almost every single polygamist woman, even with firm testimonies of it, they will tell you that part of the reason they think they're supposed to be living it is to overcome their worldliness, overcome the natural woman inside of them. Right. So to say you have to overcome your natural woman means that the natural woman does not want it. And just... A few minutes ago in this car ride, she mentioned that the jealousy was just a challenge they had to overcome. Exactly. Right? So if it's, a, if it's a constant challenge that you're having to overcome, that tells me it's not natural. Yeah. And we've also learned a few minutes ago that there is a husband that doesn't want it, right? So it's not <laughs> always just the woman that doesn't want it. And I can speak for myself. I definitely wouldn't want it, even though I was raised in that type of environment and family. So... You know, yes, there comes a point where polygamy, I think, is just too much to handle for both the wife and the husband, right? I, mm -hmm. I think that there's the, from both sides, there's that issue. Yeah. So, Benjamin, yeah. tell us what makes you different than your average LDS member. Okay, so we're all Mormons, right? Or at least... See, they, they used to use that word. They but not they're not Mormon. We <laughs> are Mormons. Okay. We're, we're still Mormons. Okay, this gets confusing, guys. When I learned this in Salt Lake, when I said Mormon, they're like, no, say LDS or even uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, right. I don't know why they changed that. Um, it, that's okay. a recent thing. It probably won't stick anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure everyone is going to agree with that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a thing they're doing right now. <laughs> They're trying to emphasize the name of Jesus Christ and emphasize their connection and belief in Jesus. And, and I think that's laudable, but it, it, it just doesn't work grammatically. Uh, Mormonism is a type of person. It's a type of ethnicity even. It's a type of religious belief. Um, it's, it's, that's just the way it, it always has been. It's, it's just going to continue to be part of the English language. I am very curious. Sorry, before we talk about the word Mormon, I'm very curious. Is this Trina's husband that considers himself active Mormon? That's, Did they that, say what whose husband this is? Not that I remember. Oh, the other sister wife that he was just talking to doesn't have a husband yet. So my guess, my guess is this is the husband who isn't sure if he wants to go into polygamy. So you think he's... Because he said, we're all Mormons, right? So he okay. identifies as LDS. Okay. Well, I guess we'll hopefully he can, can, continues to talk and we can make sure and verify that. But because the way he's talking, it doesn't seem like he's very active LDS because most 
strong active LDS people are going to switch to because their leader and prophet has asked them to to not call themselves Mormons anymore. So I'd be surprised if he's maybe he still identifies as LDS. Well, obviously as Mormon, but I don't know that he's that active or that he believes that strongly in the current president or prophet of the LDS church. Yeah, it's interesting. The because, whole, like, is it going to stick or something? Oh, my yeah. gosh, that's so funny. I mean, he has a point in that the LDS church has always been known as the Mormon church. I mean, from not, the very beginning, not always, but from almost the very beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of stuck as the name. And so throughout the world, if someone wants to refer to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they want to know who they're actually talking about, they're going to say Mormon at this point. Or they don't feel like taking five minutes to say the name. Right. <laughs> right. So then exactly. they also use it, you know. And you have to remember that the prophets before the current prophet were all very, very big on, like the prophets of my youth were very big on being proud to be called Mormon. So the pride that they have where he says, it's not just like the name, it's like who we are, it's cult- culturally who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, taking pride in that is something that goes back through many, many prophets. And again, it, when we ever refer to people as Mormon, I never mean that disrespectfully because I grew up being told, like, proud to be a Mormon, hashtag I am Mormon, huge I am Mormon campaigns, millions of dollars spent in advertising. I am Mormon. We are Mormons. We are just like everyone else, but we are Mormons. Be proud. Be proud to be a Mormon. Right. And so, Though there is this current shift to try to emphasize the Christianity side of Mormonism, at the same time, like he said, for all we know, when the next prophet becomes prophet, it might not be emphasized in the same way because there are different things that different prophets emphasize. And it can change that fast. It went from the prophet who had the I Am Mormon campaign to now we don't even want to be called Mormon within one prophet lineage. Right. So it could just as easily jump back in the following prophet. After Nelson. Right, right. Yeah, because it's the other prophets before President Nelson were all Mor- for it. Were Mormon prophets. Mm-hmm. And now President Nelson is the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Sorry if you didn't understand that. I said it very quickly. And then the, like you said, the next one, even if even if he continues to just kind of let it ride, I think eventually people will probably get back into their routine of just calling it the Mormon church. Yep. You know, if it's not emphasized very strongly. Yep, I think so too. Um, But yeah, no, we still identify as Mormons. And what makes us different from other Mormons? And you're considered fundamentalist Mormon, but not FLDS. Right, so the FLDS is a specific church within Mormon fundamentalism. So he's not the one that claims to be, or that is currently LDS, because he considers himself fundamentalist. Um, They were established in 1993. Um, and it's only one small subset. They're the ones that you're going to see a lot of media on. Um, they're but mostly because of the tragedies and, and terrible things that have happened in their community. Warren Jeffs is their leader. Warren Jeffs is their leader. and Running it from prison right now. Well, and he's hardly running anything. Okay. Um, but he's, um, you know, he's in prison for good reason. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, he's still he's, running a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, Warren Jeffs is still very much in control. Now, he has his, if you want to call them leaders or his minions on the outside of prison walls that are doing most of the, the grunt work as far as making sure that his rules are being followed, yes. But Warren is very much still dictating and writing down these revelations that people have to follow. He's very much in charge, unfortunately. 
their whole community has been torn apart by the evils and and corruptions and violence that has has gone on in their community. So, okay. um, we, we so have no, you have nothing we, to do with them. No, nothing to do with them. No more okay. than any other Mormon would have anything to do with them. Okay, okay? totally, gotcha. totally separate, <laughs> separate history, separate leaders, separate communities. So even most LDS members will put you under one group. Well, a lot of uh, yeah, generally LDS members view it like they think that they're the original. Okay. Yep. We think they're the breakoff group. We think we're the original. We think we're the original. Um, and that's kind of why um, we don't argue with the term fundamentalist very much. Um, the term fundamentalist was actually coined by the PR department of the mainstream LDS church. The Mormon fundamentalist moniker, we usually embrace it because it means that we stick with the fundamentals, and we do. We believe in all of the doctrines, practices, ordinances that original Mormonism had in it. Uh, so that includes things like the original temple ceremonies. They've changed their ceremonies. Oh, wow. Um, we still practice the United Order and plural marriage and believe in the original doctrines of who God is. Um, and and they've, they, they've changed these things throughout the years. So the fact that they have, they said, original temple ceremonies within right. their church is very unique because he is totally right in the fact that the mainstream LDS church, you know, we have more temples than anybody else. Um, but what is their temple like? Yeah, I'm very curious. I hope, I mean, I don't know if he's going to show what a temple looks like. Because we used to live in St. George, and unless their temple looks very different than the LDS temple, there's no other temple in St. George. No, but... Apart from the, the two LDS temples. Fundamentally, in the beginning of the church, they before they even had temples, they were still doing ordinances. True. So, so maybe, maybe they don't believe that they actually have to have a temple in order to do those ordinances. Hmm. But he did call them temple ordinances, though. That's true. So that implies a temple. I'm so curious. And, and some people, I mean, if you go way back, I mean, you could claim that a temple was a could, could be a smaller building as long as it's dedicated the right way. Dedicated and for the purpose. By the right power and the priesthood and all of that, I guess. I hope that he shows us what he means by temple, but I don't know if he will. Yeah, that's so interesting. So they have a president... That is their leader. Mm -hmm. So every president changes the rules a bit, or how does that work? To some extent, that's sort of true. But uh, I like a lot of people will be familiar with the uh, boiling a frog analogy. It doesn't—they don't change everything all at once. Okay. But over over the 200 years of Mormon history, they've changed a lot. Yes. Okay. Um, we're trying to stay with the original, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're like static. Um, we we're, we have a dynamic community. We be believe that God is still speaking. Uh, still revealing his will um, okay. hmm. on the earth and still has prophets and apostles and, okay. and all those huh? things. But the difference is, is that to us, certain things are so fundamental that they cannot be changed. Uh, otherwise, God would be a different God. Um, if God says one day that this is righteousness and that is evil, and the next day he changes his commandments, he changes his rules, or he changes the ceremonies that, that represent that, like baptism, things like that, then, then we don't believe it's the same church anymore. And okay. so I would say I never left the uh, mainstream LDS church, but the church left the gospel. The church broke away. But what well, about the stayed. 17 million members mm -hmm. in the world? <laughs> the vast majority mm -hmm. are, are going that way. Yeah. Why is that? Well, the main thing that the mainstream church is doing is trying to make sure that uh, it, it fits with the world. It fits in, right? Um, they're trying to be mainstream Christians. They're trying to be like everybody else. Uh, that's not, uh, and that, that's a way to be popular, sure. But if you just tell people what they want to hear, you're not necessarily telling them the truth. Wow. Oh, okay. See, so this well, is something that's talked about a lot. 
Yes, and man, okay, so I can respect the heck out of the fact, the idea that when Joseph Smith restored the church, that's the thing, it's a restorationalist church, right? Mm. And he said that he restored the principles and ordinances of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you're restoring everything back to its perfect truthfulness, and you're storing it back, then like he's saying, I agree that there's this amount of it should be there are certain things that shouldn't be able to change or else you no longer restored the truth. You just restored something that was going to continue to evolve. And we've talked about this maybe a little bit before, but kind of what he's talking about right now was a huge piece of my faith journey mm-hmm. in that I was kind of feeling, I didn't go fundamentalist Mormon, but I felt the same way about some of these fundamental things where I thought, if I'm making certain covenants in the temple, and that's different than the people who made the covenants in the temple 100 years ago, that means it could be a completely different covenant 100 years from now in the temple whose covenants are correct if there's only supposed to be one way to God. Right. Right? And so... And some people are okay with that. Some people are are super happy about the changes and the things that are happening. And But for others, it's very difficult to see, like him, that... If, if this is the way that the church was restored and you are completely changing what the church was into something else, then is it still the ch- same church at all? And that's his point, and I think that's a big concern for a lot of people. Yeah, and a lot of people, when they're having problems with changes that happen within the mainstream LDS church, there tend to be more and more breakoffs, which is why there's so many small groups, because oftentimes it's easy to... I don't like the change that is happening right now, or I don't agree with the current prophet in this one thing that's happening. Let me go back to the basics. Let Mm. me go back to the fundamentals of the church. Let me research and just read the scriptures and pray about things in the beginning. When you go back to the beginning, you always end up with polygamy. And I think that's why there's so many breakoff groups that when they don't like the changes that are happening, or they feel like the mainstream LDS church is you know, bending to the whims of the world, they look back at the fundamentals and they end up in polygamy. And you see it quite, like, I feel like more and more often. Right. You're styling now. I we, like your, we all I like your sweatshirt. And... Like our own taste, you know, <laughs> right. but modest. I was married when I joined this church and he joined it too. Um, he died shortly thereafter. Okay. Um, so I'm a widow. I'm sealed to him for eternity. I consider myself married. If the prophet said to me, now you need to go get married to somebody, and I always get my choice, um, I would would say I would rather say no, but if the Lord wants me to do this, that's what I will do because he has a growth opportunity, and plural marriage is a growth opportunity. Mm. Growth opportunity, but you're not going to have kids now. (laughs) What do you mean by growth opportunity? I'm 85. Well, patience, learning to love the other wives. So you'd be open to a plural marriage, correct? Yes. I have a great deal of love. I've had testimony of plural marriage for many years. I married a man um, who was many years my senior, and I still love you dearly. If any marriage fails, it's because of two main things, selfishness and jealousy. One of the big things about this church is we always have our agency. 
Okay. Our agency is never taken away from us. That's the beauty of it, huh? That's part of the beauty of it. Part of it is that we claim mm -hmm. to um, that our priesthood authority goes back to Jesus Christ. And I've been reading the scriptures since I was 20. So you do the math. <laughs> 65 and, years ago. Yeah, 65 years. I've been reading the scriptures daily. I'm on my 52nd reader reading of the scriptures all the way through. Pretty wow. hard to fool me. <laughs> I don't think they mentioned where they walked into, but this is the St. George Tabernacle. Yes, that's what I wanted to point out. This is owned by the mainstream LDS Church. Yes, and it was the first meeting house that was completed. So the St. George Temple was under construction, but it did take many years to complete. So the St. George Tabernacle was the first meeting house. They, I, I believe they held like city meetings, everything for St. George for a long time. It is beautiful. If you have a chance, you can go um, take a tour through it. And it's pretty cool. Very historical, very yeah. old. And fun fact that I can't help but share anytime somebody sees, you saw from the outside that it was the red stone, the red mm -hmm. rock. And you can go and see, and there's different chisel marks on each stone. And as they were quarried, every man had his own signature chisel markings, the way that he would chisel out the stones. So you can go to the outside and you can tell which stones were quarried by the same men based on the chisel markings. The way he did it, yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting that they are going, as they're doing this tour, they're showing up to a lot of properties that are owned by the mainstream LDS church now, but these properties have a lot of significance in the history of of their church as well because they also started with the same leaders and prophets so just wanted to point that out i'm curious to hear where their break off happened yeah which which prophet most likely it was wilford woodruff is who the they no longer believed in because, or they broke off from the flds or the allred group or they're a break off like they might yeah. not have broken off straight directly from the lds they might have broken off from, from a else. polygamous group another fundamentalist that's group, a good so. point i hope they mention that uh, that's just a symbol. It's on our dollar bill, and it represents God watching over us. And it's a symbol that was used in the 19th century, very prevalent back in New England. The people who built this building came from New England. So you were worried people would think it's cultish if they see it. No, they see it and they don't understand it. Masonic symbol. It's that, but it's more than that. We sing hymns in church about beneath God's watchful eye, his saints securely dwell. Four sets of stairs like this in the whole country. Spiral staircases with no center support. Freestanding. The symmetry was so much more important to these early architects, like Truman Angel, who designed this building, than anything practical. And so they literally incorporated the elements and blended them together. Right. Rather than move a door or make it shorter, <laughs> they wanted to make sure that it had this perfect symmetry and order in everything that was organized. This is basically the earliest form of meeting house that Mormons made. Oh. Mormons originally uh, would only meet outdoors or in homes. But uh, occasionally, in the 1850s through 1890s, they would build these grand edifices for larger conferences and call them tabernacles. Tabernacles have generally been open to the public and temples are closed for ceremonies. But even in tabernacles, some ordinances have been done. Some of the tabernacles have baptistries, for example, or they do baptisms. Whereas a temple, people only go into those um, edifices to do the sacred ceremonies of the temple. In a temple, we wouldn't be able to film inside. Correct. Me as a Gentile. 
Right. Uh, in fact, um, generally you can only go in if you have what's called a temple recommend, which is mm -hmm. basically a statement of faith saying that you, you believe in those things. It's and driver's license. Yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> makes you a part of the Mormon. <laughs> Some people might look at a symbol like the all-seeing eye and see that like, oh no, God's watching me all the time. Um, how invasive. But I think the idea of the all-seeing eye is, supposed to me is meant to be comforting, that he, God is always with us. God is always um, present with us, watching all that we do, looking over us um, in a benevolent way, right? Is it God or is it Heavenly Father? Okay, so God, of course, is a very generic word in English for sure. any deity. Heavenly Father is something Mormons use a lot. And that You're really, God. As, as the way we view God, right? Yeah. We view God as a father. And that actually goes back to one of the fundamental differences between a Mormon fundamentalist and the mainstream LDS, is that we believe that God is our literal ancestor. And that um, this is what's called the Adam-God doctrine, the idea that the human race descends directly from the gods. So that in this sense, God as a father has a wife who is our mother. And we are literally his descendants rather than just being a created thing. Like he didn't just make us out of mud. The human race was given birth to it the same way that we're all created. Now I'm made of the dust of this earth, right? But that doesn't mean that I was made, my parents ordered me from a catalog, right? I was born the same way any other human being is born. Um, so Mormonism sees kind of a, joyful marriage between nature and divinity all this okay sorry we just have to quickly say adam god theory is very controversial within the lds church yep. and like he said the mainstream lds church does no longer believe in adam god theory and the very 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 short and quick version of it it originated from brigham young yep and it was the fact that god actually was adam mm-hmm and so that is why he says that we are all God's literal descendants. Yep. Mainstream LDS church no longer believes that, practices that. If you told a mainstream Mormon that, most of them would probably never have even heard about the Adam-God theory, let alone what it means or that it ever came from one of their prophets. It's yep. not talked about and it's definitely not taught. It is in the history. If you go back, you can find it. And that's why he says... The fundamentalists still believe that as well. And I do want to point out that is what I was taught in the FLDS church as well, that they do believe that Adam is Adam, like as in Adam and Eve from the Bible, Adam, uh, that he is our heavenly father and now our God over this earth. Uh, he is our heavenly father. So yeah, that is, that is the same way I was taught. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm glad he brought this up. Yeah. These natural processes like even childbearing. Mm -hmm. are divine in their nature, divine in their origin. Everything in Mormonism points to this um, concept of the infinite generations of the gods, that we are divine in our nature. Um, but it's too on the nose for most Christians, and so they've been doing a lot of backpedaling in the last several decades <laughs> in the mainstream religious <laughs> church away from the, yep. stating those ideas too explicitly, um, because it's, it's viewed as heresy. Of course, as far as we're concerned, that just makes it everyone else heretics. <laughs> right. Okay, that is very, very true in the sense that it was just recently that I grew up very much that the whole point of being on this earth is to become like God. And when we say like God, not become one of God's angels or live in heaven with God, but to actually become a God of your own world, yep. have your own spirit children, all of that. And 
I recently saw on the LDS church website, someone had asked the question like, oh, do you believe that you can get your own world? And they were like, no, not that you get your own world. That's something that's characterized by people who are not in favor of the church. And I was like, feeling a little gaslit. I was like, wait a minute. No, that that's, is exactly yeah. the purpose. And that's what I'd been taught my entire life. And so then I went to like my mom, I went to other people who had also been raised in the church. And I think like he's saying, they're trying to create a little bit of separation to say, we're not these crazy polytheistic people because at a base level in Christianity, there is only one God. He's all that ever has been and all that ever will be. Mm. And within Mormonism, technically it's polytheistic if you believe that there is God had a God and we can become gods and we can have our own worlds. But that still is very much Mormon doctrine that you can the fundamental, do fundamental, yes. The, I mean, yes, the mainstream LDS church no longer really teaches that, but fundamentally that is very much the doctrine of the Mormon church. And that is very much the way I was raised, too. I mean, we all did what we did. We put up with what we put up with in order to become like God and yeah. to be a God, just like we were taught that Adam, who is now our Heavenly Father, that he also had a God before him, and he did the same thing. He came to an earth and proved himself worthy and then returned and became a God and then created his own world. And then, you know, and so they would say that we can do the exact same thing Adam, our Heavenly Father, did by following the example of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and in the end of that example that they when they said, okay, no, you're not getting your own world, in the end of that, they said, we just believe that we're supposed to become like God. Mm. So they kind of left it open. It felt like they were kind of beating around the bush in order to not appear to be polytheistic. So I don't know, still in Sunday school or in deeper doctrine, hopefully anybody who's within the mainstream Mormon church still knows that that is the main doctrine. It definitely is that way in the temples. Mm -hmm. It's still very clear. So I don't know why there's trying to be this separation other than trying to fit in with mainstream Christians. I was always taught though that what made us special and not like everyone else and why we had the fullness of the truth was for those theological ideas. And that is what made us special and made us the true church. Yeah. So them shying away from it sometimes is like, why? That's what made us cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, um, but for, because for us, it's, it's fun. It's fundamental. Check out the belly. Mama puppy. That's cute. So Benjamin, is your wife showing up today? Um, Benjamin, there we go. Hanging out with her parents in Cedar City, but we okay. can meet up with them. Okay. And how many wives do you have? Um, I have one wife that's that's with me. I've lost one wife. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. My first wife was just... She said she was so open to it. So we got married right here in the St. George Temple. Okay. I remember uh -huh. talking to her about how uh, we were going to live plural marriage. And she's like, yes, I'm on board okay. and all that stuff. Um, when it started coming down to the possibility of it really happening, she changed her, her attitude. And the funny thing is, is I was willing to stay monogamous with her permanently. Okay. We were monogamous for a long time. And I, I never dated. We don't do that. I never looked for another wife, anything. But we were married for almost 20 years and then... She finally decided that she wanted to do her own things. Okay.
This is my son-in-law. Wow. It's interesting that he got married in the temple, but they both understood that they wanted to live the law of polygamy. I wonder when that came, though, because they got obviously they were both strong LDS mainstream Mormon members in order to go to the temple and get married. So he's coming from that background. That explains a lot. He seems to know a lot of the way the mainstream LDS church thinks and believes, and that makes Mm -hmm. a lot more sense if he was raised that way. So, but I want to know how did they both think that? No, I don't believe that they both thought they wanted to live plural marriage when they were married in the St. George Temple. I think that must have come later. Maybe he started I'd be very looking surprised. Maybe he started looking into fundamental things and maybe that's when he in a way convinced his wife that that's what they wanted to do and then she decided, nah, okay, but then never mind, I don't want that." Yeah. So, but that is very interesting that he went from mainstream LDS church to the fundamental church that he's now a part of and even was willing to lose his wife over the idea of plural marriage. Well, he made it sound like she left even before yeah, because he said he would have stayed monogamous for her, but she wanted That's to true. go her own way. So I, it's hard to tell whether or not it's religious or if it's relationship-wise. Right, maybe it was just completely something different than religion. Yeah. Simeon, my daughter Marissa, and son Jeremiah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Maybe a silly question, but plural marriage or no? We aren't living it. We aren't it, living no. it, no. Just us and the, the little one. First on the way. one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Little girl, so. Oh, cool. Congrats. Be here any day. <laughs> you do believe in plural marriage, then I actually grew up in a plural family. Okay, so. okay. You both did. You both did. Yeah. Would you be open to it or no? Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's important, actually. So, like, not just like. Not just open. I'm like, yeah, that's. I think that's a good, like, a good thing. Like whatever we feel like God has called us to do that, then the time will come or whatever. So. Okay, so would it be your bishop that tells you this, or you decide on your own as a relationship? Um, so it's kind of a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Like we're not forced into it. It's all whether we want to or not. Okay. Like it's we're not forced into it or anything. I wonder, as a monogamous couple, even if you believe in it, like. To have that constantly looming in your head, hmm. can you can you imagine if constantly like normally, I feel like you spend your your youth searching for your person, right? At least in our case, like you're searching for your person, you find your person, and then there's that like relief of now I just get to live out my life with my best friend. Can you imagine if there was constantly this waiting, this looming eeriness of? At any moment, we might feel prompted and there's going to be another person. Our whole lives are going to be turned upside down and we're going to have to overcome jealousy and I'm going to have to... Like, I feel like that will be stressful right. to constantly be thinking at any moment, God could tell me that we'd have to have another person in our relationship. Right. Yeah, I, I would uh, be very interested, especially to hear more from the, the wife here. She She's mentioned, yeah, whenever God tells us that's what we need to do, I, I, I kind of want to know, is she thinking in the back of her head, please, God, don't say that. Don't, don't tell us this is what we have to do. Yeah. Please don't. Please don't. And if that is her mindset, then it's ultimately going to come down to him whether or not that's what he wants. Yeah, interesting. What was it like growing up? You had multiple mothers, correct? Yeah. And yeah. then one father. What was that like? I mean, if, I mean, sure, you could speak for days on it, but what was that? To be honest with awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I would describe it as awesome. Like that, as a kid, uh-huh. no question, that was so cool for me. Just because you had a bunch of brothers and sisters. Yeah, and... I'm actually the youngest of, of my dad's and uh, actually my mom's too. So I'm the youngest and youngest. Okay. So I have 
18 other siblings besides me. So yeah, like totally awesome. Like they've gone all sorts of different ways and careers mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff. And so I get a lot of different experience and I can kind of like work with them and sure. do different things with them. So it's, it's and, way cool. And you? Same, um, same so story? I'm the second youngest and um, there's 22 of us total, myself included. So having that many siblings is a lot, which I'm sure you can imagine. Wow. My oldest brother, he's the oldest, the twins, they're, I can't remember how old they are, I think they're like 46. So I didn't really grow up knowing them because they're, they were like moved out and probably married before I was even born. So like it's. Sam's oldest brother from his father is older than my parents. Yep. Just to kind of put in perspective, when you have very large plural families, it's very common to not grow up with some of them. Exactly. There were a lot of my siblings that were out of the house long before I was ever born. And I'm not even the youngest. I mean, granted, there's 36 of us, so there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of us in the family. But, but yeah, I wasn't even close. But it's interesting to, to hear the two different perspectives. You got him here saying, oh, the most amazing experience ever. I have all these wonderful friends that I call siblings or that are siblings. And it was just perfect. And then switch to her and she says, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And that is speaking from a girl's, girl's perspective. perspective growing up in it. Because looking back at the way my sisters had to deal with things, mm -hmm. they were very busy. They had a lot of responsibilities to help raise the younger children and to just kind of keep the household up. Yeah. So. Important to realize that like the whole plural situation is based off of whether we want to or not. Like none of us are forced into it, which I mean the children. In your church. Yeah. Everybody has to consent basically. And let's say a second wife or whatever comes for the both of us, like we would both have to say yes. And well, that's she good. had to say yes. That's good. And then it would happen. So like. What if, what if you would say no and you want yes, mm. or that's it's just so to be determined, like you have to talk that out, or how does it work? Um, yeah, you know, if it like came down to it, like plural marriage and like whether we mm -hmm. live it or not, like we will take that really seriously. Right. There's like different stigmas around it, but mm -hmm. making one marriage work is a lot of work. So unless you really believe this, one. don't do it again. <laughs> Like yeah, that, that's a yeah. lot of work. It's, it's right. not something you should advise to just anybody, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. He didn't answer the question. Did you notice that? He didn't answer the question. He didn't answer the question. He didn't say whether or not, he didn't just say, oh no, she didn't want it. Then no, I wouldn't say it. All he said is, you have to really believe in it. And we really do believe in it. But then she did say that we both have to agree on it, right? Yeah. So, I mean... You never know what he's actually thinking. Sometimes people have a hard time expressing their full idea, so maybe he does believe that, but he didn't mention it, so you have to wonder. Yeah, he didn't answer. We both agree that it's highly important that children um, are raised under their mothers, like not just handed off to schools or babysitters. So, like, we both agree that, like, stay at home moms are important, and then he would be providing for my, me and my children. Or would you do whatever. homeschooling? I would love to. Okay. I was homeschooled for most of my life, so. And you're, who is telling me, I'm sorry, someone, I met a lot of new people today, but you're, um, how did she say it? Plural marriage twin. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. <laughs> so you met Trina. Yeah. She was one of my moms growing up and my mom. And so they were pregnant at the same time. And me and my sister were born two hours apart. So 
different moms but twins. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Same father, different yeah. moms, yeah. two hours apart. Yeah. Just, wow. Yeah. That's wow. very rare. Just wow. Right? Or is that common? That's not common. I wouldn't say that's, that's common. That's, that's Especially yeah. in the same family, like not at all. I had some I had some siblings that were very close to me within like I mean, a couple months. Yes, within a few months difference, but never that close. So I can't imagine having like a, a someone at the oh time out. Oh, never mind. I have a, a two brothers that were born on the exact. So they have the same birthday, but years apart. So uh, no one was born at the same time in my family. Can you imagine the father like running from one hospital room or in, in your case, like the Hilda, like the room, like from one room to the other, like trying to like be there for both wives and they're going through labor at the same time. Yeah. And then like hurry and this baby comes out and then you say hi for a second. But wait, I got to go to my other wife who's giving birth to my other child over here. So I've got to run. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I would hope that they would have them very close in proximity, whether it was a, a birth at home or in the hospital, whatever they ended up doing. I would hope it would be like next door rooms or something. Still, I can't imagine the attention accommodate. being split between me and someone oh. else while giving birth. Oh, you're speaking for yourself. Speaking yes. for myself. Spe <laughs> Just like in general, though, I, I speak as a woman. Yes, I speak as a yeah. woman. When you're going through childbirth, you want the support and love and care of your husband. Yeah. And to not let that be like your, a little bit of your moment of bringing your child with your husband into the world and having that be like a bonding experience and then having like two hours later them have to do that with somebody else. So like that's like a whole other level of jealousy. Speaking for myself, I would never, ever, ever want that. <laughs> I mean, just, just the, the whole experience with just one wife, one baby was just a lot. Yeah. I, I'm sure every father could say the same, but... Not physically, but emotionally, I was in a lot of pain. <laughs> <laughs> I took care of the physical pain and you took care of exactly. emotional. Okay. Do you feel like you have to explain yourself a lot or nobody really knows? This is Main Street St. George and it's so cute. You can see the tabernacle in the background kind of behind where Peter's head is right now. But it, yeah, it's just a really cute little yes. downtown area. Sorry if we miss any very important points. All of this great visual that Peter's giving here is uh, very sidetracking. We're enjoying our town from his little camera. Um, would you say? Yeah. Well, we live in a community that. Yeah, I mean, lives definitely. There's a lot. There's a lot of explanation. Been around this for a long time, so. Right. Like they, they know us, and yeah, we're all family. Okay, so growing up, the outside world, that being me and people that are non-believing, would you avoid them at all costs, or just you wouldn't associate, or you know? I say it's kind of like a mixed bag. And okay. It just like depends. I went to public school at one point there in Mesquite, so and I had like friends and whatnot. So did you ever have to deal with anyone looking down on you guys, like judge, uh, judging you? You felt like a judgment or anything? Probably. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Probably. We were actually kind of raised in the middle of like nowhere, and we didn't go to public school or anything like that. But um, so at the time in Utah where we lived, poor marriage was illegal. And so there was a time where cops had visited our house and it was terrifying because we didn't want to be taken away from our family, you know. And so we were like hiding and like, it, mm. of course it was scary because we didn't want to be taken away and whatnot, but like. So that's what's happened in Utah law, right? It's it, it's illegal as in felony right. and then now it's now it's legal, right? Right. Yeah. Or it's like a $50 fine or something ridiculous it's, like I that. I don't really know. Right. Yeah. But yeah. so the the pressure isn't on now, but right. not long ago the pressure was right. on. 
and like I've heard stories about other people that would like Donika, his sister would say they'd have to like dive into the bushes to hide from people or which our parents built that fear into us growing up which just kind of there, there was raised, definitely like so. like I hmm. I'm a little bit younger, but I think some of my older siblings, they had more of that, like, hey, they're going to come get us or whatever. Okay. And take okay. us away from our families. I think that's from the 1950s raids that happened particularly to the FLDS, but just in Utah in general, like in the 50s when they were cracking down on polygamy, mm-hmm. they created a fear. Well, in the 50s, there are a lot of these people's parents, right, lived through that, and they probably had, you know, parents or grandparents that possibly had been put in prison like sam's this makes me wonder if so i guess either they were a part of the flds at one point or maybe not but if not maybe the government the officials were out to get all polygamists family during that time yeah i don't know huh i'm very intrigued now because they haven't said at what point they split off from the mainstream lds church yeah or if they split from the mainstream or or did they split off from a fundamentalist group huh as time passes, people have gotten more open about it, and we don't have to like hide our children from everybody or anything like that. So, what do you think about secular types that have a bunch of girlfriends, or they're with one girl, then they're with another, and they're dating around? Sorry, there was a moment where the light was on her just right. She looked just like the Mona Lisa. Just had to point that out. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why, but I was like, oh, Mona, oh, that's not a painting. It's her. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people that do that kind of stuff, but I I, I don't really, um, I guess for me, like, religiously, I was just, I wanted to um, find the right one, and um, dating around forever and going on about that, I wanted to, like, pray about who I was supposed to be with and, and find the one, you know, so. All right. Except the gold back. Oh. The gold bag. You can see that on the door. Yes, step right over here. We're, as far as I know, one of the only suppliers of the gold backs in St. George, Utah. But there are companies that accept them for payment, like Judd's. You can get soup. Oh, wow. Homemade soup and sandwiches for gold backs. So, back in 2011, basically the government of Utah decided that we were going to accept gold and silver as money. A company actually developed this particular product, and it's actually uh, just that amount of gold in in a currency form. Several different states have actually authorized it. This is actually a a Nevada gold back. And And so so there's gold in the currency? There's actually one one thousandths of one ounce in that currency. Okay. Wow. So by saying one, that's not one dollar. That's one what? Yeah, so it's one gold back. It's considered one one single gold back. And it sticks is, to the spot gold price versus yeah, so the dollar? Yeah, so the valuation, you can actually look it up online, goldback.com, and it'll actually tell you what the exact amount of value is with this particular currency. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like it's going to manifest itself as far as the value here very soon, you know? Okay, going towards the actual true value of what gold is so it's a hedge against inflation potentially definitely um it's it's one of the things that we do here you know we're we're actually gold and silver brokers okay yeah cool shop you got (laughs) yeah that is so cool that's an intimidating that is amazing (laughs) (laughs) 
So this is the real Pioneer Museum stuff right here. Dottos of Utah Pioneers keeps all the artifacts, all kinds of cool stuff. Thank you. So you hmm. guys do a great job with genealogy too. Oh, that's really important. And it's important to our faith too because we believe that we're connected beyond death um, through the veil to all of our ancestors and all of our descendants. And so we view ourselves as being part of this continuum, right? We're not as individualistic, I think, as most Americans are. Um, the Mormon faith is really about becoming united. Uh, this is why our vision of Zion is this concept of being of one heart and one mind. In other words, unity of purpose, unity of, unity of legacy throughout, throughout time, the past, the present, the future. We're trying to build something and change the world. You know, a lot of religions, they look at heaven as like something that's gonna happen later after this life. We view our purpose more as, well, we need to make heaven here. We need to build it now. What about the second coming? Before he gets into the second coming, that's basically anytime a Mormon talks about Zion, that's what Zion is supposed to be. Exactly, heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. So yeah. it's talked about in mainstream Mormonism, a lot in FLDS, FLDS mm -hmm. but that's what they're referring to. He's very well spoken as yeah. far as all this goes. Have you been into the shop? When he said the name, I feel like I had been when I was a, like really young, maybe with a church group, but I'm not recognizing it. So maybe yeah. I haven't. So I'm just, there's a, in the, in the video here, you can see a dress in the background. I'm curious, is that what the early day pioneers wore? I assume. That's what it looks like to me. That's what yeah. it looks like. Interesting. There's always been a talk of the second coming basically since day one. Oh yeah. Um, so if you're worried about the second coming, that's some future event, not the now. Actually, quite the opposite. In Mormonism, instead of us <laughs> viewing the second coming as a Jesus just showing up, yeah. like he's coming out of the blue, he's doing all the work, we actually view ourselves as participants. If we build the earth into the type of world in which Jesus would want to live, he will come back to dwell with us. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, we view it as it's our duty to create the kind of world, to create the Zion, where Jesus Christ could reign personally on the earth. And so we don't believe his second coming is actually going to happen until he has a people to come to. And that's why we believe it's so important for us to continue to live all the laws of, of the gospel, including plural marriage and, and building Zion and all that stuff. That's true. just true. That's yep. all I'm going to say. Amen. Yep. That, that's the belief is that we got to be good enough for Christ to return. He can't return to an unfaithful or unprepared people. Society slips. Let's say mm -hmm. things get worse here. Sure. Then you're further away from the second coming. Could be, yeah. Um, but it isn't necessarily required that everyone is going to live this way or everyone's going to live the way of peace. That's why there's, I mean, the Bible is replete with a lot of um, terrible judgments too that can happen. Um, but it's more of a, you have to decide what side you're on. Do you want to live in a world of peace? Are you capable of forgiving your enemy? Or are you going to be one of those people who's going to be stubborn until the Lord's destruction is poured out upon the world? Uh, I was taking a look at some of these, some of these old firearms and some of the some of the story. This is about the Mormon underground period in the 1880s. Wilford Woodruff came. They were arresting all the church leaders for polygamy and attempting to really shut down the entire church. They wanted to arrest all the leaders, seize all the assets, close down things like that tabernacle. These firearms were were used by different Mormons at the time to protect themselves from federal marshals. Hmm. Because the feds um, had come in, there was something called the Utah Commission, and their, com their job was to come into Utah, arrest all the Mormon leadership, 
and imprison them all, if, if possible, and then seize all the church's assets. They wanted to seize everything from these United Order farms that were growing our food. Why were they um, doing that? Well, for one thing, there is a lot of money in it. If you, if you have the chance to plunder an entire, an entire state, you're talking about a lot of plunder here. But on top of that, um, uh, ostensibly, it was to enforce the anti-polygamy laws. Uh, so they said there's only one way to get rid of polygamy, and that is to get rid of all the polygamists. Well, it turns out that was basically all the Mormons. So you're not <laughs> going to see this at a like an LDS museum? No, you're not going to see this at most uh, LDS museums because they don't want to talk about the polygamy. They don't want to talk about fighting the feds. They don't want to talk about any of that because it's kind of an embarrassment. Uh, for more than a century, Mormons have been doing everything that they can to appear accepted by mainstream society, right? And it doesn't look as good if you're fighting against the United States and America. At the time, though, there was this understanding that you couldn't be a Mormon and be an American. Uh, it was like a rival United States. If you could think of Salt Lake City as like a rival Washington, D.C., with a totally different set of values and ideas and religion, they wanted to be their own nation out here. Currency. Yep, they had their own currency, had their own language, had, they had their own... Own language? Well, the Deseret Alphabet. Uh, we should ask them if they have any of the old books here. Had you heard of the Deseret Alphabet? I have not. No. I have not either. I'm loving this history lesson, this is, this is honestly. a lot of, I mean, I've heard of bits and pieces of a lot of this, but this is interesting to kind of bring it all together. This has been very good. Yeah, and yeah, he's just, he's very well-spoken and sounds like he's very well-versed. And again, when he says this is not going to be in an LDS museum, right, there's so much church history that you are not taught. And when you grow up LDS, mainstream Mormon, if you have the missionaries coming, I guarantee you, if you ask any young Mormon missionary boy and you ask them questions about these things specifically, I bet you 99.99% of them would have no clue what you were even talking about. No, I remember when I was on my mission, I had not long before that left the FLDS church with all of my background in polygamy in that. And I remember uh, I had other companions and elders around me that were just completely surprised by all of this information that they hadn't heard that I was taught on a daily basis about Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor, and their early prophets. So yes, you're right. A lot of them did not hear about a lot of things uh, in the early days of the church. Yeah. In a little bit of everyone's defense, I do have to say that I think most churches, they're going to give the information of what their current beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a Baptist church, you might not know the history of the Baptist church sure. or everything about their history for a certain congregation or something, just because you choose to believe those. So not saying that the LDS church needs to give a full history lesson to every person that they ever teach, but it is, I think it's fun and interesting to hear more about these things because it isn't something I know right. about. And also in their defense, there are a lot of active LDS members that do know all, that do know all of this information, That's right? True. It's not yeah. like they're completely hiding it from the rest of the church necessarily. You just have to dig to find it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's some articles about it, about its history. Mm -hmm. It was totally unique and actually, oh, okay, there here it is. we go. Okay. So basically it wasn't, it was a phonetic alphabet. Um, it was still English, but it was written in a totally different and phonetic way. All these different Mormon pioneers that came from all over Europe, uh, all over the, the South Pacific as well. There, there's, a, there's a strong um, Tongan, Samoan, and Hawaiian 
presence in early Mormonism, and they wanted to learn how to read and write English, and so they used the Deseret alphabet as a way to, like to spell phonetically. And so this reads the Deseret alphabet. Wow. We were talking about the number wow. of converts. Are That's we just growing cool. or are we staying stable or are we going, you know, declining in membership? And we aren't declining. Um, we actually have had some, but we're not converting thousands of members like the mainstream Brighamite LDS Church in Salt Lake City. They call them the Brighamites. The Brighamite. <laughs> I mean, it's true. That is considered one of the, the sects that broke off after Joseph Smith was murdered. You know, there were multiple strands of, and groups of people. I think because the Brighamite, per se, church became the largest, it was easy for them to claim, no, we are the mainstream Mormon church. And because there was the majority of people followed Brigham Young and that continued to grow, it was just easy to kind of, we got to claim. Right. We got to claim the name. Yeah, you have to wonder. But it's funny. It's so interesting, though. Some people believe it's the true one because it grew a lot, and mm -hmm. others believe that it's not the true one because it grew a lot. <laughs> That's true. Right? Like, in yeah. the FLDS, we, or I was, the way I was raised, we didn't believe that the FL, or that the church was meant to grow in, in the same way that the mainstream LDS church has grown, mm -hmm. because we were taught that it was a special... Small community. Small community, like the amount of people that were chosen to be a part of God's community and a part of Zion on earth, as you could say, was just there weren't that many people out there that were special enough, right? And so that was a way for them to make us feel even more special. Yeah. Fishers of men were, were more like hunters. <laughs> and, you know, there's it takes a certain type of person to live this lifestyle. He's the temple president. Oh, and I'm the temple matron for our temple where we live in Nevada. Oh. So why Nevada? <laughs> because we were called to move there. We were asked to move there and start up a community. So the prophet of the church got a revelation. He told you, go to Nevada. Yeah. We're okay. in Nevada. The laws in Nevada are as such that we can't be as persecuted, I guess, so to speak, if you could, in other, some other states because they allow you know, things like prostitution. Yeah, I do free people. And so, you know, you, it's okay, and you'd be able to have, you know, multiple relationships. I mean, men there all the time Okay. do those kinds of things. And so, so temple presidents. the laws there make it so that our lifestyle is a little bit more palatable and livable. Okay, because in Utah, it flips back and forth, right? Yep, yep. It was a felony at one time. Yep, and now it's a misdemeanor. But they're not really arresting anyone for not it, Not right? really, unless there's other abuses going on. And unfortunately for you, it all gets batched into one, right? Everyone thinks just like the abuses and... Right. Everybody thinks that one abuser is, speaks for everybody and is the example for everybody, but it's not. And there's various different fundamentalist communities, and we're not all the same. We don't all follow the same people. We're not all FLDS, and that's not our group at all. At all. And we don't follow Warren <laughs> Jeffs. He's in jail for some pretty bad things. And we don't agree with what he did. Um, so a lot of LDS members don't even know this, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. They don't, they, they just think FLDS. Yeah, they think all fundamentalists are FLDS and they're not. This is more than just a religion for us. We lean on each other, you know. We're not related blood-wise for generations. Maybe DNA test shows or something yeah, shows that we're ninth cousins, but... <laughs> 
but we would have never known each other otherwise if we hadn't have been in this situation and in this religion and and became true family. Okay. I know that in my community where I live, I can damn my husband might be at work and I might need something. Maybe the swamp cooler had a problem and you know and it's now flooding my roof or something. I know I can just get on our text group or I can make a phone call and somebody will be there to help me soon. So you're spread out in Nevada, St. George, near Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. Any other locations in this? Oh, yeah, like this. You know, the main thing is, is that we do believe in gathering, right? We want to be gathered together into one community. We haven't necessarily all succeeded at doing that yet, but um, our gathering place in Nevada really has that special value because when you come there, that's where we built the temple. That's where we grow our own food. That's where, where? we can build each other's houses. You grow your own like food in Nevada. Yeah. Which is, you know, is not exactly the best place to go to. to enjoy your own food. Uh, but we grow, we grow a lot of food there. Is it the new Zion? Well, Zion first has to be built within, right? First you have to become a Zion people. Then you can build the city. So it's not exactly the listening new, new Jerusalem yet, right? But it makes us into a Zion people. It's the Zion prep. Zion prep. <laughs> yeah. So Salt Lake doesn't mean as much to you guys as no. out there in Nevada. Uh, well, basically that's just an older, more failed experiment, really. Like they tried to make a Zion there, and that was beautiful back in the pioneer days. Wow. They did build a lot of beautiful things, but what's come out of that now is they become worldly. It's it's just like any other city in America. Well, yeah, you mean they fail? What do you? Mean? Oh, wow. Man. Okay. So him I feel personally attacked. I'm just kidding. I totally understand his perspective on it. Yeah. yeah, him saying that they became worldly, that is also what I was taught, is that the mainstream LDS church became this worldly place, and because of that, they became a lot bigger, too, and they became a part of the world, as, as they would say. And so we actually looked in the, in the Book of Mormon, it talks about the great and abominable church that is like this awful church that's run by Satan, basically. And we looked at, and I don't know that this was FLDS teachings necessarily, but for whatever reason, in my mind growing up out there, the mainstream LDS church was that great and abominable church talked about in the Book of Mormon. It was never doctrine, but it was understood in the same way that we believed it was the Catholic Church. Oh, really? Yeah. We were kind of taught, like, it's not like, oh, the doctrine is that that means, like, it was, a, like you said, like an understood cultural thing, like, that's because, the Catholic Because church. the church was bigger. Because the Catholic was bigger and shinier and had more money than we did. And you guys looked at us as big and shiny and had more money than you did, I think. So things are changing, though. Isn't the, isn't the LDS Church becoming... Up Very, there in wealth as well now? Yes. But I was going to say, I also, I can't blame people for thinking something like that, like becoming worldly, because you have beautiful Temple Square that has all this historical doctrinal significance, mm -hmm. but then the church also built like a super expensive fancy mall across right. the street, right? And has all these investments and things. So while hearing that a little bit, I'm like, Oh, I feel a little bit attacked. You know, like my, you know, my roots feel attacked. At the same time, I can understand why, why from outsiders it looks that way. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. Their main hub is in Nevada. No wonder we haven't seen their temple around oh, St. George. We have research to do. I am excited to learn more about this. Yeah. And uh, we live in Nevada, so I wonder how close they are. I know. Hmm. You mean they failed? They failed to become a Zion people. They became, uh, eventually became about money. 
I mean, especially if you. Well, look you can't. At the... You can't say for everyone, right? I mean, well, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to speak oh, for. There's a lot of good people in the Mormon yeah. church, yeah. Yeah, and we still people. love the Mormon. We call it the Mother Church. Um, but, but yeah, there there are just a tremendous amount of good people, and we love them. Thank you. Um, and some of them will come to us, and some many won't. Most won't. We all have a role to play. Wow. St. George Temple. As far as I'm concerned, this is not only my heritage, this is part of our faith. It wasn't until long after this temple was completed before they broke off from us. And so I was asking off camera. They broke off from us. So they do consider mainstream. So they're a break off of the mainstream. Yep. This temple is so beautiful. They did a bunch of renovations on it. Recently, yeah. And so there's been a lot of open houses. That's why it looks so busy. But this is the temple that Sam and I got married in. It is. And and right before they switched back to the temple, they were showing another building right before this. And that is a chapel or a church meeting house. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people people wonder, are those temples? Or or what's the meeting house? What's the temple? What's the chapel? Right? So that was a quick representation right after another. This is a chapel. This is where they... They meet for Sunday Sunday services services and things, and then over to the temple here. And this is where you actually have to have that, what they call the temple recommend. You have to be found worthy before a church leader, before you can enter into the temple here. Yep. Do you have LDS friends? Oh, lots, yeah. So you get in debates a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was a temple worker, uh, an ordinance worker in the mainstream LDS church, and I remain a temple worker in Christ Church now. So I do think my opinions are informed opinions, right? (laughs) But uh, obviously they're going to disagree. A lot of them think that it's good to uh, change these ordinances because they're faster, they're easier, they can watch a video. Uh, They still feel like they're being close to God, even if they're making different promises to Him, right? Um, But I would say if you don't make the same covenants, you can't expect the same results. You can't expect the same blessings. I think of it like a recipe. If somebody says, oh yeah, we want to make cookies, and then they start changing all the ingredients... Who knows what's going to come out of that oven, right? And it's the same thing, I think, when it comes to religion. You put in this, certain elements, you're going to get a certain result. So where do you see the LDS church in 20 years? Oh, probably even further afield. Um, one of the big changes that I've been anticipating for some time is I think they're going to have gay temple marriages for homosexual marriage. Okay, you're against that. Well, honestly, since I don't think that their ceremonies are valid, I think they should be as inclusive as possible anyway. But, but yeah. Sorry. He is very blunt. He's very blunt, but when he says, like, I feel like I have a very informed opinion, so far, nothing he's saying is, like, inaccurate. To what um, we've been, what we've heard and been taught, right? Yeah, to what yeah. we've been heard. So he hasn't been saying anything where I can be like, no, he's wrong. We didn't change that, or this hasn't changed. But the bluntness to his, the way he's saying it, so matter-of-factly and so bluntly, is very entertaining. I... I want to sit down and chat with him. But yeah. he's like, I want to debate. I'm like, I don't need a debate. I just want to hear more like right. from him. Like I know Peter has, you know, hours and hours and hours with people. We experience that and has to get it down to about an hour for a video. But I'm like, man, I want to hang out with this guy for an afternoon. We right. need to reach well, out to him. Yes, I'm sure he could talk for days on end too with, with all of his different opinions and whatnot, as it seems. But wow, yeah, he's very open and blunt about what he thinks and feels, even though he knows that it's, probably against what the majority of everyone else thinks and feels. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a there's a certain amount of heteronormativity that is really kind of baked into the Mormon worldview. We believe in this idea that our, our attributes, even our bodies, right, yeah. 
our divine and origin. That means that, yeah, our gender is part of our identity. Uh, that men and women are different. That doesn't, not to say they're unequal, but okay. they are complementary. What if a gay couple tried to come into your church? We actually have some gay members, and we did have a gay couple that moved into our gathering place. Okay. Um, and they were welcome to participate on a social level. Okay. And we, we try to be good neighbors. People need to, some love and acceptance. But that doesn't mean that we can change what our view is of the entire plan of God or, or the entire creation of the world. I mean, I almost like to think of this in terms of like Asian uh, philosophy, which bears certain odd similarities to Mormonism. Um, male and female, the yin and the yang, these are fundamental concepts. It's not about any individual's personal sexual expression. It's about the fact that we view these things as the fundamental reality un that underlies, you know, existence itself. And we, and the fact that those things are gendered, you know, uh, it, it leads to a worldview that has a, has a certain amount of that in it. This is one of the reasons why there's so much focus on families. Yeah. Right? It's about, what is that about? It's about procreation, but it's also about all of our relationships in that creative, thriving community. That's the goal. We often cover our heads when we pray. Uh, women often will wear uh, like a light veil, uh, men will often wear like a kippah or a kufi. It's symbolic of eternity, it's circular, it's white, um, and it represents our submission to God and that God is our head. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for this. That is not does not have okay, any Mormon fundamental is, roots that I'm aware of. No, nor does the way that he's praying with holding his hands out like that. So, so interesting. I wonder where they got those ideas because unless it was in the fundamentals of the church that were long gone before we were ever taught anything, mm -hmm. because I've never seen wearing a hat. I've never seen, uh, everything that I've seen has always been folding arms, bowing your head when praying. So. Unless they're trying to add like things from the temple into your everyday life. Maybe. The covering but, of your head and veils. Oh, and just doing it in a different way. Yeah, I don't know. But huh. I'd love to hear more about that. Wonderful lunch. And that we're able to be here with Peter to eat it. Please bless him for providing this wonderful food for us and... Please bless all of us that we'll be able to have thy spirit and have a wonderful day today. That we'll be able to enjoy all of these sites of our history with the pioneers. That we'll be able to learn something to bring home with us so that we can be motivated to greater righteousness. I say this in Jesus Christ. Wow. It's a vitality map. What it does is in just a few seconds, it changes the food. It reads the nearest person to it. And it changes it into a vibration that's healthy for you. A mat underneath the... That is not any fundamental Mormon beliefs. They definitely have some extra, like, extra things. Have you ever heard of that, a vitality mat? No. I, I mean, I don't claim to know everything. But what I'm seeing right now, seem, I feel like I have a fair okay. amount of information and knowledge about the mainstream I fundamentalists and everything. But... This one moment here seems like he's talking about how churches need to stay the same, or is it even the truth anymore? And then they come to this meal, and they're like, "Woo! <laughs> where are you headed there, brother? I I have never seen or heard of a lot of the things that are, that's going on right now. Yeah, in case you can't tell by the shocked look on our faces. Maybe I need to make our faces bigger through this part. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Would you like one of my shrimps? 
thank you. I don't eat shrimp. Okay. That's my choice. I'm just fastidious about what goes in here. Okay. And shrimp are known to have a lot of heavy metals and toxins. Now, I really don't want your appetite. <laughs> I'm going to take some heavy metal. <laughs> so, you guys all are pretty healthy, right? Is that something in the, in the church? Um, it's part of it. Yeah. We all try to strive to be healthy. Not, not all healthy, of them, but we strive. Not all of them. Some people don't care what they put in there. In their thing. She talks yeah, like my grandma. It's interesting that you have connected with us because... As my observation and experience of the last 80 years, this group of people are the most unique of all the Mormon groups of any type, including the church in Salt Lake. I grew up in the church in Salt Lake. I know it from top to bottom. I've lived with general authorities, personal friends with some of them. Been in and out all the way along. This little group of people did not come out of fundamentalists, okay. but it came out of a, a core group of leaders that had the original teachings and connections that Joseph Smith had. And this was deliberately and directly organized about 40 years ago on that basis and on the foundation the very foundation principles and this is just so that's so crazy so this answered a lot of the questions that we've had right so 40 years ago so we're talking what 80s ish um but this is very long time after polygamy ended within the mainstream yeah. Mormon church. so they continue to believe in a lot of these mainstream lds prophets that said polygamy is no longer to be practiced at all and then way down the road decided, never mind, we polygamy is right, and so we're going to break off and do our own thing. So to me, that seems, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to come across as negative towards them, but it seems less realistic to wanting to stick to the truths of, of polygamy than some of these other breakoffs that broke off the moment that the church put an end to it. Yeah, because they said that the church broke off from them. They've said that like two different times, mm -hmm. like the mainstream Mormon church broke off from them. But if there were all these years spanning of no polygamy, and then they went and started practicing polygamy, it would seem that they broke off of the mainstream. Right. But I'd be curious to ask them who they thought was the last true prophet within the Mormon prophet or the mainstream LDS prophet lineage, right. who would they consider the last true prophet before their first prophet? If that matches up lineage-wise, because the FLDS, they didn't start that church until 1927 or 29, mm -hmm. right in there. But, you know, they're people were already kind of starting to break off after the first manifesto and then after the second manifesto. So there was like this shift in beliefs and then the church wasn't formed until, you know, 1927, 29 in there. So you got to wonder in the 80s, are they having that same, like they believed all the prophets up to that? Or do they really think a couple prophets back wasn't cutting it and it just took them a while to organize themselves? I don't know, but it sure took them a long time to organize themselves if if that's the way they went, but... Maybe he'll tell us more. Maybe they'll explain that, I hope. There's no laws that said that, but to me, in my heart, the core 
requirement is you've got to have a testimony that Joseph Smith was and is a prophet of God and still leads this church. And the Book of Mormon is the word of God. So Nelson means nothing to all of you. Is that correct? The current president? He's just a, he's just a good man, but he's not our prophet. Right. We usually don't want to criticize. Okay, okay, that's great. So LDS members look at Nelson as their, their North Star, let's say. Right. And you're looking at Joseph Smith. Um, well, yes, ultimately, and so are they. Yeah. But, I mean, so we all go back to Joseph Smith, right? Mm -hmm. But our prophet is not Nelson. We have different prophets. So most everyone here came from LDS? Yeah. Uh, they were born in it. They were born in it. I'm a seventh generation LDS. I have no idea. Left the LDS church and came here. What made you leave the LDS church to come here? Damn. <laughs> no. I mean, we had a missionary come to our house and talk to us and share the gospel with us, but before that we were searching because we had a feeling like something was missing in the LDS church. It wasn't the same as when I was growing up, as, as it was in the 90s and the early 2000s. It wasn't the same as in the 70s. And so, you know, we were searching. Where did... Where did that priesthood go that the power that the saints would say, you know, I was cured of this and I was healed of that. I have a great grandfather who was healed by the missionaries in New York in the early 1800s and he could walk. He was gonna lose his leg. And they healed him and he could walk after baptism. They promised him if he wanted to get baptized, he could walk down to the water and get baptized and he wouldn't ever need this cane again and his, heel, his leg would heal. And he did, and he converted. And you don't see those things today in the LDS church. And so we started searching because we felt like there was something missing. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's yeah. The miracles and things are were very much talked about in the olden days, in the beginnings of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I notice it's interesting that they don't ever mention the name of their current prophet. I was thinking like that he's same some kind of secret. Thing. Yeah. You know what else I wonder? Now that she's been talking a little bit, it sounds like a lot of these people converted. You know, later on, like pretty recent. Not, mm -hmm. I mean, in the long scheme of things, but. I wonder if the their leader or the first leader of the church they now belong to did split off from the mainstream LDS church way back when, and maybe the church that they have now just took a very, very long time to get any members. Well, he said that there was like high leaders in the church, in the mainstream church, right, that kind of got together and then mm -hmm. broke off. So, or they think the church broke off, the LDS church broke off. Right. But yeah, and this is kind of what I was saying earlier, the idea that some people within the church, when they look back and they do see the changes and there's progressive changes, they go, this can't be the truth if it's changing because we're taught it's restorationalist. And so therefore they start searching for something else and then they find fundamentalism. So I feel like her kind of story in saying that the LDS church isn't how it used to be, it's absolutely not how it used to be. And that does cause problems for some people. Right. And going back, I didn't want to completely avoid the miracles thing. I know people probably want to hear our opinion on that. So I will say there are still a lot of active members, and you could probably speak for this, of the mainstream LDS church that do believe that miracles still happen. 
today through that priesthood. I will speak for myself from the FLDS Church. Growing up in the FLDS Church, I saw and experienced what I would consider miracles as well. And it's not really clear exactly how there can be so many religions that claim to have the truth, and yet there are people experiencing miracles in all of these different groups. Of course, uh, probably the most popular theory is that there is a God that is there for everyone, regardless of their religious background, and if someone has enough faith in him, then miracles can happen. That's probably the most common one we've heard. Yeah, but within Mormonism, they believe that they have priesthood authority of God. God's power on earth is what they call priesthood. Mm -hmm. And so when they say they told her grandfather that he would be able to walk and it happened, they don't believe that other churches have the authority to make things like that happen. Exactly. And that's what in their mind makes them special, right? So that that was what I was going to get at. So thank you. (laughs) Is that a lot of people will say, well, miracles can happen to anyone as long as they believe in God. And but then you have people like the way I was raised also in the FLDS that say, no, we're the ones with the priesthood power. The miracles that happen here are coming from God. The magical things that happen elsewhere in the world is Satan's work. So, you know, that's that's an int- another way to look at it, but I don't know. It's very interesting, but I can say for myself that I was raised in the FLDS church that most everyone listening today would look at as this place that is crazy, oppressive, very cult-like place that no one would want to be a part of because of everything that's all over the news. And I experienced what I would say were very faith-promoting miracles growing up in my childhood. So it's uh, interesting to see everyone seeing those things in their own way. Growing up LDS, I don't think I ever saw what I would consider a miracle or had anybody personally say that they had a miracle happen. I feel like growing up mainstream LDS, there were some stories that would float around about things that would happen and then... There were times like in seminary where there would be like church leaders have said that, you know, to stop sharing stories that aren't factual, that didn't actually happen. They kind of put an end to some stories that have been floating around that may or may not have been true. It was more of the idea that like anything could be a miracle. Mm. It was more of, you know, somebody answering the door to a missionary that could have been a miracle. But the idea of like, you're now healed and now you can walk those miracles I feel like even by the time I was being raised in the 90s and early 2000s, had kind of gone away from the LDS church. So I'm not surprised that she said she felt like it had gone away. Right. If, the, if you're expecting to see the miracles that people talked about in the early days of the church and they're not there anymore, I can see that being concerning and wondering, well, where's the miracles? Where are those happening? Right. Mm-hmm. And so some people may go searching for those. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like nobody drinks here, obviously? But the LDS church is Coors Light and your Coors? Is that a way of saying sure, it? Sure, yeah, that's a way of saying it. I yeah. don't understand. We're not decaf. <laughs> You're not decaf, yeah. <laughs> all right, Benjamin, that's how the cookie crumbles. I just said goodbye to everyone and got hugs from yep. everyone and didn't have the power button on. So, <laughs> well, well, everyone gave me hugs and smiles and thank you for bringing me out you bet because you don't have to it's not an easy group to get into no offense 
true fundamentalist Mormons because the camera comes out and people are worried. People get shy. I mean, uh, it wasn't very many years ago that people were killed for having this religion. It wasn't very many years ago that people were imprisoned just for believing in this religion. And so, yeah, a lot of people are nervous. But uh, in fact, one of the people today was just saying, uh, oh, my, my, my father would freak out if, if they were doing this. But, you know, we live in a world now where people can live as they believe. They can, they can be more vocal about it. And they're less likely to, to, to have any problems, you know? Anything else you'd like to say to, to the viewers, people out there watching? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess what I'd really like to say is, you know, we might be different, come from different walks of life, believe different things but we're all people. And that's really what I want to do is I want to build a bridge so that people won't be afraid of us and that we'll be able to have, have these conversations because we live in the same world. We live in the same communities. Hey, in Mormonism, we're all Mormons. Right. Uh, but there are these, these divisions that have really, really come between people. And you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see us break down those barriers. All right, so. Benjamin, good stuff. Yep. Thank, Thank you, you brother. Have a good one. You too, man. Well, another awesome video of Peter's. Yes. We These are so fun. This one was so interesting. I felt like I learned so much stuff about LDS history, and I felt like I'm pretty well-versed in LDS history at this point. But. Right. I have some con some definite, definite questions, though, about some of the things that they were doing, and I just wonder if that was ever a part of the Mormon doctrine at all. Or and that we just don't know. What if we don't know? Maybe we don't know, or maybe they're adding certain things to it, which is very interesting. But we'll have to do some research. I'm very curious about this church now. Honestly, I had never heard about them. Yeah, I know there's yeah. a lot of break-off fundamental Mormon churches, though, so... I'm sure there's lots more we haven't heard about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are definitely going to be um, reviewing, I believe Peter has, one more series coming, or one more episode of his Mormonism series coming out next week. We'll be reviewing that. Again, if you want to see our video with Peter, you can click the link below, as well as the other videos that we've reviewed so far, the uh, largest Mormon community, one with Brock, who's awesome, and the Mormon family, Dinner with the Mormon family. So lots of fun stuff there. And if you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy or watch more videos like this of us reacting to Mormonism, fundamental Mormonism, polygamous communities, then please like and subscribe. Yes. Thank you all so much for being here with us again today. We look forward to talking with you soon. We'll talk to y'all soon.